0: Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, A military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Our guest on today's podcast is Shay Marlendyke, and she's here representing Yoga Fit for Warriors, a program that focuses on PTSD and traumatic brain injuries in military personnel and first responders. Shea is a 28-year Air Force veteran retiring with the rank of lieutenant colonel. She holds a master's degree in counseling from the University of Maryland and spent a year working directly with veterans returning from the Iraq War. Shay has combined her military and counseling experience with her love of yoga to create Yoga Fit for Warriors. Shay, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We can't wait to hear all about your program, how you got into this line of work, and and maybe what kind of results you're seeing. Uh, so welcome, and please take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, just really honored to be here that you had asked me. I've Uh, have a heart for uh, first responders. Uh, They, of course, have a close kinship to the military. And many of the military I worked with, uh, especially in my last position, uh, also uh, were part of the police force in New Mexico. So I got some insight into some of their struggles. um, And we have a lot of first responders who come into our program as well. So anyway, I want to say thank you uh, to both of you and for doing this what a service you guys do for everybody out there, uh, first responders uh, who I think are, who I know are underserved uh, in the mental health world, as our military, but maybe even more so. Maybe even more so. So yeah. I think there's a lot more work to be done. Um, so hi, yeah, I am. I am the director of Yoga Fit for Warriors. I started the program. We're celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year, which is really exciting. Um, I have um, 28 years, like you said, service in the Air Force. I did 10 years active duty, and then I did 18 in the reserves. My husband was also active duty and uh, retired as well so we're living the quote retired life right now live here in Williamsburg Virginia beautiful place so lucky to be here still still working and still um, serving the military which is really just fantastic Um, I'm so grateful that I get to do that I have two um, we're just empty nesters just became empty nesters so (laughs) I have a 21 year old son up in New Jersey in school senior in college and then my my daughter just dropped her off in Florida and of course, my biggest fear come come true today. the <laughs> Hurricane coming through, but oh my she's goodness, okay. yes, yeah, it's like oh great, <laughs> you're here in Virginia. <laughs> she's in Florida, but she's fine. So we're and we're fine. We're fine. We're gonna make it this empty nest thing. We're gonna figure it out. Um, but yeah, and I have let's see here. I have a master's in counseling. I, what what really kind of got the program going was I got my master's in counseling over in Germany. We we're stationed in Landstuhl uh, from 1999 to 2003. And of course, big things happened in the world of the military, uh, of course, during that, that time frame. Yeah. So I decided I was going to get out of the military, transition to the reserves, and I wanted to be a counselor. So I got my degree over there and I worked on the Landstuhl Regional Medical Center which is Larmsee, we call it Lar-C, which is the big hospital where all the Iraq, Afghanistan, um, anybody who was being backed uh, out of Afghanistan or Iraq, of course, if they had any medical or mental issues, that's where they stopped, right? And so I started my internship year there in 2002, 2003, when we were going into Iraq, right, for the second time. And I started to get a lot of 18 to 24-year-old mostly young men uh, coming into the psych ward with trauma-like symptoms. Um, At the time, I was not an expert in PTSD. I would not have even dared to say that. And interesting, and I had done well in my program, right? I was a good student learning cognitive behavioral therapy. But during that time, not once did I learn about the brain or the nervous system Mm. Uh, Not once, not once was trauma mentioned, except for sort of in like family systems and of course things like, you know, um, the perpetuation of substance abuse in families and abuse of other kinds was mentioned, but not really, what do you do with it? It was the same approach. We're just going to talk to people about it. Again, not a bad plan. It works for a lot of people. Uh, but when I went on the psych ward for that year, I was helpless. I really didn't know what I was doing. Mm. And I felt defeated. So um, I had started doing yoga in 1998. And then 10 years later, um, or I should say not 10 years later, uh, five years later, when we moved back to the States, I started to take teacher training, found Yoga Fit, and it was a lifesaver. I got certified with them, and then I became a trainer for them in 2009. And in 2012, I read this book, uh, in an unspoken voice might be familiar with it by Dr. Peter Levine. And in it, he mentioned polyvagal theory. And I was like, what is that? Oh my gosh, that is the missing link. That is what I needed to know. in my, my, uh, master's of counseling program that I never got. Mm. It really, truly turned on something that, um, I would change my life. I was like, okay, now I know how to help people. And it's, yoga is coming to the rescue here. I, I get it. The body has to be included in how we treat trauma. And so off to the races, um, just started creating, um, uh, this program, not knowing where it was going to lead me. So that's, that's probably a lot more than you wanted to know. I'll just stop there, but that's the kind of cult the um, the triangle that supports that, you know, my military, um, service, my counseling degree, feeling really ineffective dealing with trauma veterans. And then, um, my, um, a yoga and that was and that was it, and then the science came in to save me, and I was like, all right, now we can go, and now we can do something with this.
2: yes, now you were able to put it all together, right you were exactly. able had all those all those um pieces of the puzzle that you needed to be able to say, okay, this was the missing link that you were missing was the the yoga part, but also how to be able to deal with the brain after reading that book, right exactly. um, yeah, yeah you want to happen no. yeah, well, what was it um you said you came across
0: some stuff from Dr. Peter Levine. What what was it exactly that that you incorporated into your program and how did that change your approach to assisting veterans, first responders navigate trauma?
1: Yeah. It was the understanding of the nervous system and how it responds in very predictable ways very Mm -hmm. predictable ways in a traumatic response, even though every trauma is uniquely different and unique to the individual. And that's an important thing to take into account. But the nervous system across cultures, all human mammals respond predictably the same way, unless there's something sort of neurally wrong with them. Right. So it was like, Oh my gosh. And it dawned on me, like big forehead slap yoga, the very thing we're training Ideally, training is not the body to be more flexible. There's, there's that school or those people, and that's fine. Uh, that's, you know, what social media wants you to think about yoga. Well, or what are we training? We're training the nervous system to be stronger. Mm-hmm. We're, we're uncovering what we call in yoga samskaras, which are, like, think of scars, habits and patterns that are stored in the nervous system, which are adaptive during times of intense stress and duress and life threat right and that you learn and you put an implicit program memory but then you come home you know and that does not adaptive in your day-to-day life with your relationships right yeah so all right so we uncover the patterns right it's a it's yoga of course there's mindfulness but there's lots of other ways we sort of explore the somatic experience of trauma Mm. in the body bring awareness to those patterns that uh normally we um disassociate from we check out right the body's a painful place so it makes sense right that makes sense uh but you gotta you gotta come back to the body to heal uh but you can't heal what you're not aware of yoga brings awareness to it mm. and then better and you know, just discover it because that's just awful it's like oh yeah i feel awful okay that's one thing <laughs> like this is where it's at now what do we do about it well yoga teaches you right how to use uh, tools of course like the breath but also really um, interesting somatic techniques that we have in mm. our trauma-informed yoga programming uh, to help to reset the nervous system and also the entire, basically the entire neurophysiology. Mm. Uh, so that's that's what I learned from the book. Was like, oh my gosh, we've had it this whole time. And then even Dr. Levine, he has an institute called Somatic Experiencing, yep. right? Soma meaning wisdom body. I was like, we are doing mental health work on the mat. That's what that's what yoga teachers can uh, you know optimally do yeah. is really get people to do that work and they don't and guess what you don't have to talk about your stories you don't mm. have to tell me your traumas to heal from them I, that's a that is a blessing that's a gift A, yeah. some people don't want to talk about their traumas it's just re-traumatizing them yeah uh, and, and i don't blame them Mm-hmm. And, and B, they may not even remember them, right? Like, what are you going to work with in that narrative? But there's a narrative in the body. There's a narrative in the nervous system. And that we can talk to. So you can feel to heal. In fact, you have to feel to heal. But you don't have to talk to heal. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And it sort of sounds like it's, um, you know, the, the, the trauma-informed yoga that, you know, you do and teach. It's sort of helping folks interact with their own nervous system, Right
1: absolutely being totally absolutely. aware
2: yeah well and you know a big
1: piece of that and i uh, i'd love teaching my um that people who come into these trauma-informed programs our workshops and some of our mental health professionals uh we have i have a saying i'm like you can't teach what you aren't and we are teaching by our very energetic being can you hold space hmm. effectively right mm-hmm. so i, I like, yep. this is part of my my healing plan you have to do that work yourself to <sighs> be an effective Quote yep. healer, whatever you want to call yourself, and I am a yoga therapist. I have a yoga therapy certification, and and that that's a huge piece of it. We don't fix anybody. Yes, I'm not fixing me. I'm 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 holding space, but energetically, right? I'm connecting with the other person, and yep. then what am I doing? I'm modeling for them, hopefully right the idea is to model for them what does a healthy regulated nervous system look like what does it feel like and then what does that tell them it's safe to be with this person yes and then it's safe for them to explore you know their own physiology. Like, when does it feel safe in my body? Yeah. They don't know what it feels like to feel safe in their body. Someone yes. never felt safe in their body. Yes, you know, you've yes. always, you know, how do you know if you're like your Stevie Wonder? You're blind. Like, see blue. Okay, that's great, but I've never seen blue. Yeah. So, you know, saying calm down or find peace, what is that? Mm. We walk you to that place, then we name it. Actually, we get you to name it, and then now that is a new map that you get to navigate the world, and it's really powerful.
2: A new feeling. They have new feeling yes. of energy that they yeah. probably haven't experienced in a long time. We're very w- we're we're very in tune with that ourselves, <laughs> uh, you know. As far as myself and Jay like um, experience like very in tune with our own energy and what we're putting out, and and then what we're also taking in and receiving, mm. um, on the other end. And yeah, I just love this conversation where it's going.
0: Yep. Yeah, me me too. I Yeah. I, I had to open up to those ideas. Yeah, you know, I, I was a person that, that was suffering and I, I had to learn about breath work and, you know, different ways of, um, different ways of, of finding peace of calm in my own nervous system. Now, that being said, I understand the pieces that came together and your, your experience and, and awareness and education. Did you always have a passion for mental health? Like, what about, what if we, if we can just step back a little bit to before um, you were working in, in Landstuhl, I was stationed in Germany too for, for a couple of years. I loved it over there. Um, yeah, but, but if we, if we step back, where did this passion begin? When did you take an interest in, in mental health, please?
1: You know, you know. I think um, when you go, and I had a, a, a stressful childhood. I'm, I don't think I'm unique in that. Um, you know, I think everybody can understand the stresses of, you know, divorce, substance abuse, mental health issues in a family, all those things. And when you're in that place as a as a child, and a, and you just naturally start to get curious and wonder why are people the way they are? Why mm. is my family the way they are? Why am I the way I am? <laughs> and, you know, I don't think you, obviously as a child, I didn't con wasn't consciously doing that, but I was constantly studying people, uh, finding, you know, just kind of wondering what was going on and myself and asking lots of questions and, and some interesting ways. Then in my twenties is written up. And for a lot of people, this is when it shows up. Um, it, the, the strategies you use in your life, uh, to connect with the other fail you. And they, they failed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ooh. I, I, I suffered over and over again, many times in my twenties, of course I was in the military as well. Very stressful jobs as always. Um, my relationships were just failures. I was suffering from, I suffered from panic attacks out of the blue, uh, severe depression, and I was trying to go get help and I wasn't really getting any real help. So I, I naturally wanted to go learn what was going on. So I think it was an effort to understand myself oh. and, and to help others, but really probably unconsciously <laughs> most people in mental health are there to help themselves. Like honest, like that's a true, that's the thing we all know in the mental health world. Like mm. it's an open secret. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. This guy too. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he can relate with all of that. Yeah, when it, when I met him, he was like, I was, you know, went into you know studying mental health, um, <laughs> to to, you know, help others. But I was really sort of also trying to fix myself, and then I could help others. You know, was like well, I was trying to take a <laughs> shortcut.
0: You know, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was it was short sighted <laughs> looking back on it. But I did. I I knew that uh, that that in secrecy, I, w- I was I was struggling. I was having I was having a difficult time. Uh, with my emotions and all these things that that this, this was new to me. And, um, and I decided to return to re- make a return to education. And I, my hope was, uh, was that I could, learn how to fix myself without ever actually having to disclose to anybody that I was having trouble or going through the process. And then I would take those tools (laughs) and I I would go because I like selfless service, right? Those were some good things I I learned in the military. I, I like, I like, um, Acts of that's, you know I that
1: like, is a sign of trauma, Jay. I know you know that. Oh
0: yeah, I yeah. Mean, I don't
1: need. I'm not going to ask anybody else for help, but I'm going to figure out myself on yeah, my own, and, yeah. and no one needs to know about it. And I'm going to do it myself. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. That yeah. is
0: exactly what we do. And then along the way, as you begin to heal and gain some insights and some deeper understandings, uh that perspective is. I mean, it's a little comical, but yeah, that's that's how I came into the came into the mental health space, and and it didn't work. Eventually, um, eventually, I, I, I had to do the work myself. And uh, as as you said a couple moments ago, you know that's a really important that's a really important thing to do if you're going to be working in this space is is to be um, is to do the work yourself and, and represent that authentically to those that you seek to help.
1: Yeah, a big piece of it, really, as you know, is is modeling that for others like you mm-hmm. guys do by doing the show and having people on. You know what does that look like? What does it feel like uh, to you know to really uh, show up in the healing path? And a part of it, and the and the scariest piece of it, I know for us do it yourselfers is is to be vulnerable (laughs) and and to really. But it's 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 mandatory. It's just mandatory because why? I I believe I know this to be true that. the the full healing you can do so much work like how we did it on your own for a while, but the completion, even though it's not always ever completed, Mm -hmm. but the completion of that healing circle only happens when you help another and you can only help another by getting out of your own little um, silo of self study in like, okay, reaching out to the other. So I always tell people, you know, the way out of PTSD, Um, is by finding meaning and you find meaning by giving your story or someone else finding meaning in your story to their story Mm -hmm. and so it's always about giving to their so that's why you want to teach in some way you want to do a podcast something about that is imperative to the healing process and then i guarantee you're gonna end up in post-traumatic growth right like that's gonna happen Uh, but that is that is difficult that's difficult telling someone to find meaning and and their trauma is really challenging. I wouldn't dare to say that, but I know it's, it has to happen, but it's, yeah. it's really hard. Some of the traumas I'm sure you've heard too are just senseless and awful. Yeah. And um, how do you tell someone to find meaning? And really it's by someone else finding meaning in your story. Yep. Yes. That's it. Not meaning yeah. like it made sense, but like to someone else, Oh, you too. Yeah. I under- I really understand. Right. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that also, you know, adding into, as you just Phrased yourselves as, um, you know, do it yourselfers. I was smiling when you said that, like do it myself fixer, you know. Um, that it, part of that, you know, when you're trying to do it yourself fix, um, is you know, you missing the connection, human connection, right? Because you're sort of isolating there, you're trying to do it yourself, and you're, I'm doing it all myself, and there's that human connection that is a big piece of, um, of healing, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. That's
1: really only yeah. how you can kind of test that you have healed. Is can you connect to the other? Yeah. Since you know the hallmark sign of trauma is disconnection and disassociation, how do you know you've done the work unless you really reach out to the other and can actually feel connected? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is the real test and testimony of yeah. our yeah. healing.
2: Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So I I know you you classify yourself as retired, but I really don't think that you're retired. Um, based on no, all all the work, yeah, <laughs> based on all the work that you do. I don't believe that you're retired, and and I thank you for your continued service um, to our servicemen and women, and in, in um, you know veterans and in the military, and also in first response. I want to get into, ask a little, if you don't mind, get into, dive into your own military service. Um, you know, was that something that you always wanted to do? And when you joined, you know, where did that come from? I know you, you have, you said that you, you have um, family who were in the military. Um, yes. So, but I wanted to start to get in was, was that always wanted to, that you wanted to do? But as a female going mm. into the military, what was that yeah, like for you? I, I
1: didn't want to, but I kind of had no choice. Um, and I shouldn't say I didn't want to. I I was I've always been kind of a rebel um, and I was in high school and I didn't really we didn't have a lot of, you know, uh, financial resources for me to go to college. But I definitely was going to go to college. So I was able to get a ROTC scholarship at Oklahoma State and I went through Air Force ROTC there through family who helped me with that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I definitely um, had a lot of help in that regard. So my dad, my dad was a Marine he would say he is still a Marine. Mm -hmm. Uh, My stepdad was Air Force. And so I I was going to join the Marine Corps, but of course they don't have a really ROTC, at least, uh, you know, not Oklahoma State that had Air Force, I should say Army and Air Force. You Mm -hmm. don't really find that. Um, So I, my dad called and he said, um, and, and honestly, I hadn't talked to my dad a lot. Um, we weren't terribly close. Um, but so he called when he found out I was going to join the Marines. He's like, Shay, you don't want to join the Marine Corps. I was like, but I'm going to. He's like, let me tell you this. Let me tell you the reason why you really don't want to. Now, because you couldn't do it. He said only at the time, this was 1987. He said only 10% of, of, of all jobs in the Marine Corps are open to women. He goes, it's more like 40 to 60% in the Air Force. You have a much greater chance of getting to do better things in the air force um as a woman so the woman playing a part into it and i sat back and for once in my life listened and i'm glad i did Mm -hmm. (laughs) not that i wouldn't have enjoyed being in the marines i I don't know if i'd have made it (laughs) but um and so that drove me towards the air force but then also the scholarship so i joined um sort of you know out of necessity but there was something calling i mean a little piece calling me and i I was very patriotic. Um, my dad served in um, in Iraq, the first Iraq war. And I was in college when um, he was there and it was uh, overwhelming to me to have my dad over there. And, um, you know, like we all felt at the time, it was a, it was a big deal. So I'm very proud of him. Um, but yeah, that's what drove, if that answered your question, that's what drove my kind of interest in the military or how I found myself in the military. I do joke sometimes because my friends, you know, they're like, Shay, we can't see you in the military. I'm like, oh I would surprise you.
3: (laughs) I'll just come. But
1: but I was but I was I was still kind of like a little naive, you know, going in as a as a I was only 21 at the time and um, when I finally got in, I was, uh, you know, there were some laughable moments there. A little like yeah. Goldie Hawn, you know, like yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> boot camp is not a shoe cell. Nope. Okay. This is getting real, real fast. This is yeah. getting real, real fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I put my big girl pants on and and off I went.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that like, um, you know, like other first responders, right. And that we've interviewed, um, there was a lot of, you um, and, and firemen, men, law enforcement, and they, they share with us, like, when they came out of our academy, like, they were all gung-ho, I'm going to, you know, s- sort out the world, right, Give me, bring me on the bad guys, right, and um, not really started thinking about the danger they were also going to face and the trauma that they were going to experience Mm
3: -hmm. and,
2: and with the training and the same with the fire guys that we've interviewed, right? It was the the same thing, gung ho, bring it all on. We're going to, we're going to sort the world out. So when, when you joined the military, was there those triggers of fear or danger that, you know, you weren't expecting when you got in there?
1: Well, you know, the Air Force, it's a nickname, Chair Force. So the answer is real quick, no. But until I went to Korea, so I got uh, deployed mm. or stationed, I shouldn't say deployed, stationed in Korea for a year. And I arrived and it's, you know, it's, it's full on. I feel like, you know, at the end of Shawshank Redemption, you know, when he crawled out of the muff. That's when I, you know, finally got to my base in Korea. That's what it felt like. I was like, wow. oh my gosh, where am I? What's happening here? Huh. And I, we got ushered off the bus. I'll never forget it. And got, you know, and I was all I need I was like, I just need to go to the bathroom. could just find a bathroom. And they're like, no, get in here right now. And, um, I'm like, mm. oh my gosh, if they're going to pull this. Like what, are, what, don't they realize we're in the air force? Like, what are they trying to do here? Like, <laughs> like boot camps, like type of thing. <laughs> the base commander was, uh, um, he ended up being um, uh, the chief staff of the air force and called him the wolf, but he came in and he just said, Hey, you know, we're still at war here. He's like, and if you're not sleeping with a knife under your pillow, he goes, you don't understand um, where you're at. And I was like, Oh, I definitely don't understand where I'm at. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm going to need a little bit more information. Why am I sleeping? If the plan is for me to have a knife under my pillow, we need a better plan. Like that's not going to get the job done. So, wow. It was it was pretty funny. But then I got my head in the game and uh, and, yep. and enjoyed being in that environment and really being focused on a strong mission there. That we call the pointy end of the spear. Yep. Um, so that was really exciting at that time. And then, of course, 9-11 when I was in Germany and um, and that's where we were really staging. And I was really heavily involved in that logistical planning for the special ops forces going into Afghanistan at the time. Um, and and that it wasn't danger, but it was the intensity of doing something that was life or death for some people, mm-hmm. and being so focused on a mission with other people. That that's addicting. I'll be mm-hmm. honest. That was addicting. I was. That was adrenaline, like nobody's business. Um, and you know, we just it was so wonderful to feel. Knowing you were a part of something so important that was absolutely um, it making a difference uh, on the ground, so I guess that's all I'll say about that. But no, nothing—not like physical danger um, for sure.
0: Wow, so well put. I was I was in Germany uh, when nine eleven happened as well. I was uh, I was stationed in, in southern Bavaria. I remember Ooh, watching nice. the the second plane hit. Uh, yes. In the PX, we were like, you know, whatever. We had a break in our, mm-hmm. our day of of training. Um, never forget it. So it sounds like after that, you ended up um, at Langstuhl, right? Yes. How was that experience dealing with the soldiers coming back? Was there any significant, you know, impacts or lessons learned, or that you'd care to share with us? Yeah,
1: that's where I felt again. Like I said, I was at a very low point. Um, I had. So I was so excited to become a counselor and I really felt I was like really good at it. I had to have a gift of gap, right? I can talk, right. But um, <laughs> that really wasn't helping anybody. And I learned so many good lessons in hindsight. It was a really hard, hard year for mm. me. Um, personally, I had just had my first child too. And there's just a lot of things going on and transitioning to the reserves, but on the ward I remember distinctly a few things that really um, changed my trajectory you know, in my path, I had one young man and he was, he was pretty young um, who was suicidal. And I would, I went and tried to talk with him and he said, late, listen, lady, he goes, you can talk to me all you want. Mm -hmm. He says, but when I get out of here, I'm going to kill myself. Mm -hmm. And I had given it my all, right. I was like, Oh, but, Didn't you just hear me like, what's wrong with you? And I was, I was so helpless and felt so hopeless. What was I going to do with that? I didn't know. I I was all out of tricks. I was Mm. all out of tools. I I really didn't understand how to help him. I wish I could go back in time and really with the knowledge I have now, I'm not sure that I could have changed, but. I definitely would have approached things very differently from that more somatic safety perspective. Uh-huh. Um, and I just didn't have that. So that that I tell that story all the time because um, you know, fast forward, I now feel like I could help him in a very real way, but my cognitive behavioral therapy wasn't a was wasn't a great tool for him. Um and then I remember also uh, a psychiatrist on the ward, he was actually an MIT grad. So pretty intelligent, big brain kind of guy. And of course I'm a counselor, you know, we talk to people, right? Like that's what I, that's what we do. And I enjoy, I did learn a lot. I led a lot of group therapy there and I found groups were incredibly powerful for healing as Mm -hmm. I'm sure many of your listeners have ever been a part of group healing. That absolutely is, is really, um, if you can end up in a group somewhere, you're in a great place. Like groups can heal so much faster and more powerfully than like one-to-one, even though you may need to start with one-to-one, but get to a group to support you. But the psychiatrist, I was talking, um, I was actually was talking to a, a lady who was in um, mania. She was bipolar and she was having a manic episode and they sent me to do her intake interview, maybe as a joke to the new person. I don't know. Uh, Cause I did. <laughs> I've never been exposed to anyone only in theory. Right. So I get to go speak to the lady who's having a manic episode mm-hmm. and she is Ooh, now we start good, you know. She we start good, but then she's all she's just going to Pluto and she ain't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> I left there and I heard about like 10 rounds.
3: Yeah.
1: I went back to that psychiatrist, like, uh, I don't know what's to do with this lady. I don't know. He goes, Yeah, she's bipolar, she's manic shay. He's like, he goes, We don't talk to those people. <laughs> I said, What? He goes, Yeah. He goes, in fact, by the way, he goes, I don't talk to anybody here on this ward. He goes, We don't talk to people, we medicate them. Oh this is a psychiatrist, that's their main tool in their toolbox, right? Yeah. Is medication, yeah. yeah. And I was like, Well, then you must think I'm uh, what am I doing here? Like, I have no business being here, and top therapy is, is not helpful at all. And so, that was another sort of low point. Yeah. Um, and now I think, Oh my gosh, he was that was terrible, he <laughs> shouldn't yeah. have said that. <laughs> first yeah. of all, but several, he's wrong. You, you know, this medicate, this medication first approach. Is 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 what got our a lot of our vets. It makes me really angry, by the way, mm-hmm. what we did to them, and just shoved so many pills at them that had little to to no benefit, uh, over medicated them, made them zombie like, um, made them more suicidal, and that was our right. That was our solution for a very long time. So I know that's changed to some degree, um, but I still get pretty angry about that.
2: Mm. Yeah, I I think this medicaid first. Um, yes how how is a a person supposed to be able to even rationalize what's going on or think about what's going on under heavy medication it's just impossible um it is to be able to it
1: it, it, it's completely checking them out in many cases depends on what they're on and i will couch that with because maybe many listeners are on medication uh many medications can be helpful i mean some medications can be helpful uh but looking at that in the bigger picture if we're medicating first if it's um this is it's making you more numb or uh less feeling right more checked out then you know we're again like you said how are we going to do the work from there yeah uh, where where is the where is the insight going to happen it's not going to happen so again medication may be necessary and is i think for many people at yeah. times but not the long term and also not multiple all the multiple medications with again minimal benefit or negative benefits, negative side effects, right? That they're on for years and years and years Mm -hmm. and no one's doing, you know, no one's asking them about it or no one's doing anything about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree with you. I I believe medication has its place Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to help maybe someone, you know, through a a crisis or challenge situation um, to de-escalate that. And then, you know, then the other tools come in. Um, but I don't think medication is the beyond all of, you know, helping someone. Um, how can they help themselves? Um, and that's the whole the whole goal of it. How can they help themselves or how can we help them help themselves, find themselves, does that make sense? Um, so wow, this is a lot. You wanna talk? You wanna chime in there? Well, I'm I'm interested in,
0: in hearing more about yeah. about the yoga, yeah. um, about the program, uh, where it's available. And um and what the process is.
1: Yeah. So um, you know, I, from the beginning I wanted our program to not just be for yoga teachers. It is and people are yoga teachers come to our program to get an additional sort of trauma informed yoga training. So yoga fit we have a what's called a 200-hour yoga teacher training program Mm -hmm. uh, under what's called Yoga Alliance. We also have a 300-hour with them. And we've been around for a very long time, since 1994. We're uh, one of the oldest yoga um, schools here in America, but also have trained probably the most people in the world. We are the largest yoga teacher training school. So we had a strong foundation when I I decided to create the Warriors program and trauma-informed yoga. So 2013, we launched it. And it was really because there was, again, this information about, we didn't, now we can't just say, or we, we were just saying, you know, do yoga. It makes you feel good. Well, the hippie said that. That's great. But we need science. yeah And, and we finally had the science. We yeah. have this thing we call it the Streeter paper that did this big, not a big study, but a really powerful study on people with PTSD and doing yoga um, in a trauma informed way, which basically means using um, language that is inclusive it's safety oriented. It's choice oriented. It's not like goal oriented. It's awareness oriented. It is the language is really what delineates it. It's really powerful, inviting people back into their bodies, inviting people to feel when they feel safe back into their bodies. I feel that. So cool. then. And then of course the breath practices, uh, like stuff like ujjayi breath, which is you know warriors or ocean breath. It's an audible breath. You ever go to yoga class? You may hear people like the loud breather next to you. They're doing ujjayi breath. Now some are getting a little like, okay, I might need you to take it down and <laughs> that some people are really strong <laughs> with that breathers. So, but it's it is what they found is that there's this big nerve in the back of the throat, runs over the back of the throat, yeah. um, a vagus nerve, right? Tenth cranial nerve. It's literally the root system of the brain if you think of the brain like a plant then a plant's only as healthy as the root system and the ground right well this vagus nerve is a wandering nerve and it takes up thousands of miles in the lower heart lungs uh, down into the belly and so there's a lot of focus in trauma-informed yoga on the gut the gut is a brain it's a literal brain into the psoas muscle that holds us upright the scaffolding around the spine that psoas muscle will pull in tight to protect us when we're scared Emotionally or physically or anxious. Uh, and so that vagus nerve is a big focus of that. And we found from this study that just in pranayama breath practices, especially ujjayi breath, vibrated that vagus nerve and then in turn increased things like heart rate variability, which you can measure on your Apple Watch right now. And we want a lot of HRV, high HRV. Guess what that equals to? Uh, strong nervous system. Mm-hmm. It's a literal biomarker. For once, we finally had kind of a, a biomarker of how yoga. What it, what system did it affect? Why did we feel good? How did it make us stronger in the nervous system? And now we had the paper that showed it, and it was off to the wow. races. So that's that's how the program got started. So the Warriors program is a hundred hour program. We have we have two. We have um, five workshops in the basic program. Uh, each workshop is two day long. People can take them in any order at any time. Uh, it's modular. We usually run them online on the weekends. We do have some in person. So there's that. But we run workshops, five to 10 workshops every weekend online on different topics. Um, and so the Warriors um, two day workshop that is the flagship one focuses on PTSD, really understanding it. Uh, PTSD is one of the only trauma diagnosis in the APA Um uh, I'm sorry, in the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association. So we tell people, you need to understand this diagnosis because uh, that's what people are getting. Um, and I think they got it right. I do think the PTSD diagnosis, I think of all the diagnoses in that DSM, they nailed it. They got it right. Uh, But there's some other problems with other kinds of trauma, like developmental trauma and complex, but that's a separate subject. So that's what the program is based on, was really like we have the science. Finally, we have the proof. And really now, 10 years later, oh, my gosh, um, our program has expanded. So we have a 100-hour program. We have a 140-hour program. We now have a 200-hour program. And we teach things like uh, uh, addiction and recovery We look at a whole workshop on childhood trauma, which is really the kind of the root system of the disease, right? Uh, Then we look at things like mental health, anxiety, depression, uh, we have one on intergenerational now and collective trauma, which is a huge thing. Mm. So that's been this explosion in the program. Um, and a big one also in there, I'm just kind of listing some of the workshops, healing emotional and physical trauma, which looks at specifically how to use the somatic practices of yoga uh, to therapeutically help someone with trauma into, you know, unresolved stress and PTSD. So that's, I'm not sure that I answered the program, you know, oh, i yeah. very verbose, yes. but think
2: that got to the gist of it yeah that's a lot who are these um programs um designed for um are they like for yoga enthusiasts to be able to further their or expand their knowledge on yoga in different traumas or different areas um can a a a, a non-yoga practice person take one of these courses
1: That was, again, that was a really um, passionate feeling of mine um, is to make it where anybody could come take it. So you don't have to be a yoga teacher. Uh, So anyone, uh, even somebody who's never done yoga before, I wanted them to be able to come and have this experience of healing. So our workshops are great because not only learning about uh, trauma-informed yoga Mm -hmm. and how to do it or how to teach it if you'd like to and the science behind it, it's experiential, our workshops are. I consider it group counseling, group therapy for myself too. And mm-hmm. uh, we had, I just got done the last two days leading healing, emotional, and physical trauma online. And, and everybody, we left, all of us left there just feeling just amazing. And we said, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we need in our lives. Like every one uh-huh. of us shared where we were, the stresses where we, we had people never done yoga. We had mental health professionals in there. Uh, we had uh, three veterans. Uh, we had two spouses of veterans. So there is that people who are caregivers, people oh, who are, you know, the families. So, yeah, thank you for asking.
2: It really it's for anybody there and there's no prerequisites. You're welcome to come. Wow. So they can participate in the workshop and, and gain experience, knowledge and the whole thing. And then what about teaching? Like to want to teach one of these... Um, workshops. Yeah, so,
1: so if you want to teach and, and some people, um, are like, especially not going to go teach like a group yoga class, like they have no interest in that. And not everybody's going to use that information for that. Yeah. But say, um, say you do something like you help first responders in some way. Yeah. Uh, you're maybe, um, you are a first responder. Uh, maybe you are a mental health professional, then you would want to, and you want to bring it a little way to the populations that you are in or that you serve. Uh, we have a lot of educators. They're really stressed and traumatized. Mm. Um, uh, so then they come and they get just that 100 hours and then they can go teach a little bit, you know, what, they, what they've what they learned within the scope of practice that we teach them. Yes, they can go teach from that standpoint without being like a formal 200-hour, you know, yoga teacher training program certified person. Even though, mm. of course, I'll encourage that if you'd like to, yeah. but all the people really just want that therapeutic uh trauma-informed yoga piece that's what they're looking for
3: yeah and it's
1: growing it's growing of course through covid massively and i will say the last few years we've seen a, a massive expansion um if there's a silver lining to the pandemic is that trauma is on everybody's lips uh everybody has gone through something yes and are more willing to kind of Self disclosed, yes, I have anxiety. Yes, my family and my children do. Uh, people are less stigmatized, um, acknowledging that I feel like in their lives and realizing and are getting the message because of research, because it's in a lot of articles. Hey, guess what? Yoga and meditation. Hey, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there's again, if there's a positive thing that came out of it, I think that's it, that this is a, a great time for the world of yoga, especially more therapeutic styles of yoga.
2: Yeah. And I'd love to do you get any, um, I suppose uh, trauma-informed instructors that just want to take it to the next level to be able to go say out, oh, like, we, we are Hope on the Badge, right? So we talk about mental health and first response. And, yes. and so if they wanted yes. to take that out to the departments out there, or do you offer do- that type of stuff? Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this kind of idea, like a train-the-trainer, where you're going to come and teach yeah. you, you're going to bring it back to your to your unit absolutely yeah you absolutely can do that but you would come get training from us first and then then you have then you would do like basically what we would call community service hours and then go practice teaching um you know to your units wherever you want so absolutely oh I love that
2: oh my god I think I'm gonna have to take a course (laughs)
1: you know it really is if you think about it um it really is psychological triage right because we go over that like how to what you know we talk a lot about physiological triage, and we do that pretty good, yeah. uh, but, but no one talks about, or at least I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. I, I've seen some courses on it, actually taken some, but, you know, really more importantly is the um, psychological triage element. Uh, what do we do with populations? Because guess what? How you treat someone on the scene psychologically is de- is going to uh, determine how they heal or if they can heal. It can actually be the thing, how they were treated during a traumatic event by the people who respond can be the thing that is almost like a double trauma, right? It can be Mm -hmm. a secondary trauma there if it's not handled correctly. And I know there are people who are trained in that trauma response. I do understand that, but I don't think it's like across the board, right. You know, when everybody responding and I see this a lot, I think in the police force Um, you know, and, and again, they're on, they are, they are going through enormous pressures and stressors, and I am not an expert, I'm not going to pretend to be, but that when they come to the scene, are they dealing with uh, a criminal act? Are they dealing with someone who's in a mental health crisis? And, and I know many of the things that they have to respond to is people are in mental health crisis, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not really what they've been trained to do. So I know there's some definitely some movement in those spaces of, yeah. of, of trying to um you know address that and and get do better at, at that response
2: yeah I I totally agree with you there is movement and there there is you know departments that are bringing that training into the departments you know to help with mental health and like psychological first aid right and mental health first aid and the departments training their their folks there but I'd also love to see you know uh, a department, bringing in the likes of your tool, right? I'm going to call it a tool, your tool um, in departments. I'm just thinking of Jay here, like firefighter. And after being maybe many hours on a whole crew, right? Many hours being fighting a fire um, and heavy equipment on them, right? And carrying that and coming back exhausted. And then also dealing with um, the trauma that, they ha- they've experienced, and then, you know, I'm thinking, oh my God, this would be, I could see this totally happening, that this type of a, um, a class or a course that would be brought into a department where they're being trained to tap into a tool that they, another tool that it can have to um, interact with our nervous system. To yeah. bring bring the yeah. heart rate down, right, and mm. and breath work, and all of that type of stuff, and be able to um, sort of debrief. Mm. I was just saying the word
1: debrief in my head. Mm. So funny you said it. Yeah, you know, we we do a debrief. We do it like the after act debrief, we need to do a physiological debrief, mm. or because you know you know you can hold that for a short amount of time, and short amount of stress, acute stress is actually good for us. Yeah, it's just when it's not resolved, when you have that what's called high allostatic load that's unresolved over times, there's the initial impact, you feel tired. But then if it doesn't get resolved, and guess what, there's secondary trauma, just uh, this amazing book, healing secondary trauma. Amazing. Mm. And so it's for people who are like first responders, they're dealing on a daily basis with secondary trauma. Right. They're being exposed to it. Uh, And so if you don't acknowledge that, guess what? That is a that is a trauma. And so coming back and just the earlier you can rinse it off, shake it off and literally sometimes, you know, shake it off, literally debrief your nervous system as well. Yes. Especially in the group space as a collective, uh, then you're going to have less of those secondary tertiary impacts weeks later, what's happening months later years later impact of you know again now in the biology now you're dealing with chronic pain now you're dealing with mental health maybe you're dealing with other like you know real physiological things yeah. so um yeah we know again we know more about trauma than we ever have and that's that's important earlier got to get upstream we mm. don't wait for those downstream impacts where it's affecting every aspect of your life mm. uh, and you're in socially mentally emotionally physically the earlier the better great, let's resolve that earlier, less downstream effects.
2: Right. And so if they had these tools already, like being proactive, hey, let's bring in the likes of this type of stuff into the departments um, rather than be reactive, we've already got this, so we're going to do this and we know it works. And And in
1: fact, I think prophylactically we need to use these tools. I've been saying this for a long time. I mean, I can put Humpty Dumpty back together again on the other side. I mean, maybe. I mean, you know. I mean, I'll be honest. Much better. We want to, again intervene beforehand because we can strengthen that nervous mm-hmm. system. Now we can show we can literally increase the strength of the nervous system. Yeah. Because guess what? It is not a surprise that you're going to get traumatized as a first responder.
3: Right. Absolutely. We yes. We know
1: it when you go in. Mm-hmm. Why are we acting surprised on the other end when they have P- when everybody has trauma and PTSD? I have no idea. We're we're like that's just ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And so we're sending you to to battle, so to speak. Uh, and we train you in all the ways, but not in the most important way. We're not training your mind and your nervous system to deal with the trauma. You are absolutely going to have to endure.
3: Absolutely. And that's
1: like sending a, you know, declawed cat back out into the world. You're helpful. you I mean, what are we going to do with that? So again, we can do some things on that other end of it. Let's
2: get ahead of it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yes, absolutely. It makes so much sense for sure. Um, you know, in deal them all when they do then eventually get into those situations that they already have a tool in their toolbox to be able to help yeah. them, uh, tune it just, that. it
1: just, you know, it makes, and it, it proves itself also because yeah. when you can stay in that calm yet strong place. So calm strength is my motto, my mantra. I say it all the time, mm-hmm. calm strength. We can have sympathetic. That's no fancy thing. Every reptile has a sympathetic nervous system. We have sympathetic. It'll be there when you need it. Stop mm-hmm. training that sympathetic. We got it. It's the parasympathetic that's a stronger system, and we can have both at the same time, and that's going to make you much more effective when you're a first responder. In any capacity, you're going to make better decisions, right? Okay. You're going you're gonna to have more – you're going to actually come up with uh, more creative solutions, uh, you're going to work better as a team. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many things. The benefits transcend just your own personal physiology. It it actually in work performance. Yes, and and you're you know adapting to stressful situations faster it makes you a faster thinker. Mm. Metacognition is something that yoga helps in mindfulness practice. You actually I think quicker, and we know that is imperative as a first responder. We know that's imperative in the military, yes. right? You want You got to be faster than the person who's shooting you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That way, but absolutely, you have to be. Yeah. Yes, for sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. um I want to ask you um, and and talk a little bit about stigma in in mm. first response and and military veterans. um You know, what does that mean to you? Like, what, what does that mean to well, you as far it, as
1: it, it, it's still alive and well?
2: Yeah, it is. <laughs> sure, it, it sure, sure is. It, it,
1: you know, the stigma um, is a, is a big challenge. And that's one of the things we talk about in our program a lot. And I say, you know, that's one of the huge benefits about yoga is that you can come to a yoga class and do your mental health healing without having to self-identify without having to like in the military park, your car in front of the mental health clinic, right. Uh, Which no one wants to do without, you know, necessarily telling your your supervisor or your families, right? What's going on, even though of course, you know, eventually we want to get there. Um, so that's the best part about yoga is it is absolutely this sort of, you know, radical healing thing you can choose to do for yourself. And, and, and no one has to know what you're really doing there on the mat, mm. which is really lovely. So again, it helps. I, I tell people that because I do know people who come, you know, over and over again to yoga classes and I see what's happening to them on the mat, or they'll maybe come share Uh, Shane, you may not know this about me, but this happened to me, and I'm like, I'm so glad you shared that with me. Um, I saw you crying on the matter. I saw, you know, I knew something was going on. Um, So I think that's sort of the um, wonderful thing about yoga is that it, it, you know, this you don't have to worry about the stigma about it. But it, you know, the stigma I do think is they're trying. I think everybody's trying to change. I think every organization is trying to first responder, military is trying to change the stigma associated with getting help for mental health. The problem is it's not working. It's, it's still there. It's sort of built into the type of system that it is Mm -hmm. uh, where you don't want to be seen as the weak link, right? You don't want to be that person. Um, And, and of course it's just, it's just not part of our culture to admit that you're uh, having mental problems or that you're, overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's the last thing you want to do. That would be the last thing I remember. I was, I cried one day in the military. I couldn't help. I was so upset or something. I was so, I was almost angry Mm -hmm. and I was, I was just so ashamed of myself. And I was like, I will never cry again. That is never happening to me again. I am not doing it. Like you're on lockdown. Like that is not acceptable. Um, and I know so many people feel that way until they either explode or implode, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, when I walk around the military, um, I, and I still interact with the military. You know that stigma's still there, and and I can I can see it a mile away. I mean, yeah. almost everybody's walking around with something, and nobody talking about it. Yeah, no one's so talking. So I don't have a lot to say on this, except for it's it's still a problem. I think there are valiant efforts to change it, but it's always you know you know someone says after they've either imploded or exploded. Oh, I should have gotten help or. You know, it's it's after the fact. We've got to just assume. Like, stop waiting for people to have to self-identify. Let's just give everybody a counselor when they join as a first responder. Like, just <laughs> just everybody has to go assume because we know we're traumatizing you, and you're not going to be the same. You know, you aren't. <sighs> your yeah. your nervous system is going to get rewired. Um, mm. You know, you're taking one for the team for all of us, and that's why we owe everybody a, a big debt there for that. Yes. Um, but stop acting surprised when they when they
2: come back changed, right? Mm. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, yeah, there is, um, you know, there has been some progress. It's slow, very, very slow, but there's still yeah. a lot of work needs to be done, right? And I think that's why me, you know myself, and Jay when we talked about you know doing the podcast. It was definitely to open a door for first responders um, within the departments or with peers, right, to, to talk about it. And a lot of it is self-imposed, um, too. You know, that same thing. There's no way I'm going to do that. And so that's the stigma there. I mean, when we lost Alex, I, I don't know if I shared that with you, but we lost our, our son um, in 2018 to suicide. Um, he was a police officer. And um, you know, I own a, a little cafe here in, in the in the town that I, I work in and you know, you know, thinking back even just someone saying to me, Oh, who's we have a picture on the wall out in in the main lobby of the cafe and of him and someone would say, Oh, who who's who's the gentleman who died? And it was like our son and I would never share with him like how we lost him. Um, again, the stigma, the word suicide, it, it was just I didn't want to say it, also for fear of being judged right so um, yes, as a
1: mother
2: yeah uh, yeah as a mother a fear of being judged and um you know very quickly I, I learned well there's a lot of other people struggling first responders who I have the privilege of talking to and uh, they come in here every day and um you know I decided that uh, this this is the only way that I'm going to change this horrible feeling that I have is by not being ashamed and and mm-hmm. talking about it Yes, and, um, yes. and hopefully that talking about it is going to help someone else talk about it, um, and, and, and feed into that. And that's how sort of, we came about Jay, right. Is yep. I want to, to talk about it openly. So to help others feel comfortable talking about it openly, um, in departments. I'm so glad you did. And I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm Thank so you. Sorry. Thank um, you. Yeah.
1: Uh, it, 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 that's what it takes. It, it takes mm. people like you being vulnerable Um, Mm. and, and that gives other people permission. You don't know who you're going to affect by sharing your story, but it does give other people permission. Um, and I think that's the power of, of, you know, what you guys are doing, but, um, acknowledging that others need to see someone to do that. Need to see someone else do that because it is, there's so much fear and anxiety and shame, um, associated with it. There's a report just came out today. That's shocking. Uh, that um, and this has to do with military military veterans, but I'm wondering about first responders. Since 9/11, 9/11 military veterans have a um, 40% greater suicide rate uh, in the last since 9/11 compared to civilians, where civilians have stayed basically um, flat or declining. Even interesting, but military veterans of 9/11. 40 percent increase mm-hmm. so that's what started the warriors program was really the suicide rate that was that was driving me i was, wow. in was like i have to do something and yet it's not gotten better that means people aren't getting help so you say stigma is there it absolutely still is and they're still not
2: talking for sure yeah no, and no, they um, still not yeah mm-hmm. they're still not talking and it just it starts like within you know the top uh, in the departments right of fostering that We're going to help you and we're going to give you the support that you need. And I've said it many, many times in our interviews. If a first responder goes and seeks help and he receives the support from his administration, another first responder looking on says, "Mm, if if I need help, I'm also going to receive this. But if a first responder goes and seeks help and does not receive the, the support and is penalized, um, for that well then another first responder looking on is also going to say uh, I'm not going because I'm going to be penalised just like him or yeah. her and yeah. um, so it all starts then you know with the top um, in, within departments of you know uh, as you said we're sending them out there they're sending them out there right and they know they're going to experience trauma um, because of what they see every day and, um, and there should be that support and and mm-hmm. that needs to change. So that's sort of where we're at. Is we want to be bringing in mm-hmm. these first responders, these chiefs of departments, who are supportive. We're not here to bash a department to say no, you're yeah. not the department. We want to no. We want to inspire mm-hmm. and to say look, this department is is doing really really well. They're retaining their their officers. They're you know. Their officers are not quitting their job or or not experiencing um, time off, extended time off, um, because they're getting the support that they need within their department. We want to inspire departments um, to do the same thing. And that's that's what we're doing. And, um, you know, that's what you're doing also, is inspiring others to um, be a creator of their own healing. Yeah, um, you know, it just takes yeah. one person, or organization yeah. too. I think it's really powerful to change the culture, mm-hmm. and
1: um, and I think you know, standing up and, and modeling, um, how, you know, that we can do things differently. It is helpful if it's someone a little higher up, right? It can yeah. be right more powerful in that regards. But I think they 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 need to. I think if they could recognize, and I'm sure they do to some level, but um, just exactly how they how they can model that. Um, so they themselves are probably been under enough stress and duress, these chiefs, right? Like yeah. they need they need help. Um, but of course they're the ones who ultimately, you know, everybody thinks they shouldn't need help at all. Like they're beyond like they're so they're so great, they're wonderful, but oftentimes they're the ones who are in most need of it as well. Yeah. And also in the in the military, we see this every day, right? Reports on senior leaders, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of crazy stuff going on because you know, they've been shouldering it staying quiet about it, but eventually it's going to come out. And that's, and I think you want to, again, recognize that, you know, if you do it earlier, we just, I just, you know, I keep put stomping this. If you just get ahead of it earlier, those little learn, those little signs and symptoms um, and there's ways to get ahead of it, then, then we can prevent a lot of those things from happening that that are so unfortunate.
2: Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, if they are experiencing trauma or PTSD, it's, it's not a life sentence. They can heal.
1: Oh gosh, absolutely. Exactly. And that's what, that's what breaks my heart is that you don't have to suffer with trauma and PTSD. I promise you don't have to. We know, I I know, I know you don't have to. Um, Again, this is a great time. If you're going to have trauma and PTSD now's the Mm -hmm. time we know what it is and we do know how to help it. And there are other somatic treatments, all things I'm sure you've talked about things like EMDR in the world of of counseling. Um, There's other, so just find somebody, a body-based therapist, uh, a somatic uh, treatment therapist, a yoga therapist—I yeah. mean, I'll bring all those up. If a person is EMDR. I promise you, they are going to be able to help you. So there, you don't have to suffer with it. And it is amazing uh, the transformations that I've seen and witnessed to in people. So it, 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 just please reach, reach. I always say this, but I really do mean it. Just reach out. Reach out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're you're saying that. Reach out. Just reach out. Because that then ends isolation. Once that person is reaching out, right? And that's they're re- you know they're ready. that's
1: what you say. In counting the, ni- the ninety, the thing that's the hardest is to do that 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 reaching out, that first phone call. That say, I need, I need help. Yeah. Um, that is the hardest thing. Uh, so I know it sounds overwhelming um, yeah. to people listening to think. There's no way I can never do that, um, but you can. And you should mm. and and, it, and it, I promise it only hurts a little bit when you do that like that's a brief moment of like, oh man, this sucks, and then it's only getting better
2: yeah, absolutely and and you know one thing that comes to my mind saying that you know if we're, if we're talking to our listeners, I would much rather um, you know walk you through um, a healing journey than rather attend your funeral um, oh yes, you know. No um if it, if it got to those uh, situations so i just want to emphasize that too it's you, yes. you can heal and you can do your job well and still retire healthy and live a healthy life and and you don't have to suffer um just just reach out for sure
3: is
2: mm. thinking there
0: <laughs> yeah, well, this I think this is kind of like my my uh, the most interesting part of of any conversation about trauma is the one that we're in right now. We're kind of at the meat and potatoes of what creates stigma and and how to overcome it. And as Shay just said, the resources are available now, and and that's so important because not everybody understands that they don't have to suffer um, mm-hmm. when when you're stuck and and you're in it and and you're isolated and you've never been exposed to these things. And, um, you know, we, I thought it was also um, a very important statistic that you just brought up with the 40 percent increase um, in suicide with the war, like trauma uh, affects, affects human beings. And in that case, it's very measurable. And we know that sending first responders out to meet uh, the chaotic and crisis driven needs of a society. Uh, that that's a traumatic environment. They're, they're trauma responders. But when the way that we as a culture and as individuals began to cope with that trauma, uh, when those behaviors took shape, these resources didn't exist. So, you know, people would think, I'm fine, but, but I'm also drunk, very drunk very often. I'm fine, but I have nightmares multiple times a week. Uh, but, uh, but I'm okay, you know, and they're white-knuckling it. I'm fine, uh, it, but um, I don't have the relationship with my, my family, with my children that I want. I'm always angry, um, you know, but, but I'm fine. And they yeah, can take that that's what right. it shows up, exactly. Yeah, right, and, and as those behaviors uh, grew to be acceptable in certain cultures, it was because the resources hadn't yet developed around it. We didn't have the understandings that we do today about traumatic reactions and, and how to overcome those the, how to overcome that type of suffering uh, how the nervous system played a role in it you know I've been in yoga sessions where I was the silence was deafening and I had to get up and leave I wasn't ready yet I was I could not calm down and, and I felt hopeless and, and helpless and I didn't know what I didn't know Um You know, and and now, you know, overcoming the stigma, we're we're talking about it. We're trying to do what we can do. We're bringing in people that are subject matter experts in certain areas like yourself and and trying to get that message out there. I I love the idea of bringing trauma into firehouses. You know, it would have to be, like, optional or or whatever, but we're normalizing it, right? Somebody sees, you know, we, we also talked about modeling behaviors. You know, those leaders within departments step up and say, uh, you know, whether they're leaders by rank or character, it doesn't matter. I, hopefully both, you know those those members represent themselves by going, you know, you know what? I'm going out there and I'm stretching, and and I'm gonna do a little breath work. What are you doing? You're gonna you're gonna sit out, okay. Um, and that begins, begins to be normalized within the culture. and at least then, when a man or woman that's dedicated themselves to selflessly serving either their community or their nation, they know that they have options. Um, and it, that's the exciting part of where we're at in the conversation. Like people, as a culture, we are beginning to get more informed. The information's getting out there. And uh, I believe that change will happen. It's not happening as fast as any of us would like it. You know, it's it's um, it's slow change, but but it took hundreds well you know of years it
3: does it, it, it,
1: sometimes it takes um, it, it, it takes things going really bad to mm. finally change
3: yeah
1: right like and anybody knows that who's just sort of you know hit that proverbial rock bottom um, you don't want to wait for that right. but cultures sometimes also have to hit rock bottom and when you see the culture failing then the leader you know every then that's when the leaders they, it has to I see this as a culture fail in the military with this, 40% rate and all the things you see going on there. Um, and then of course, I'm not that familiar with first responder culture a little bit, um, but same thing. It's like, you know, you can see that in how well you got, you know, how well does the, has the unit perform together, right? Um, how long does everybody get along together? Um, all those things, those little signs and symptoms are like the canary in the coal mine. And so when you start to see them, it's telling you something. It's telling you something. It's time to do something. That's what good leaders do. They step up and do the difficult thing. And again, they're modeling it for their troops. They're modeling it for the younger people there. That's how you change. Uh, But it takes someone courageous. It takes someone saying the obvious and saying, you know what? I feel this is going on here, um, and it's time to change. So Mm. I agree. I I have great hope. We're in a a different place. Things things are are changing because they have to. They have to it's not working, whatever's happening, right? Like I'm saying, it's like, it's just not working. When you got, when are we going to realize what you're doing is just not working? It's not fast. We have to change faster.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, but we're in a time of, of great hope because people are desperate and they're willing to. They're like, you know what? I This is how I'm living. My life It's not sustainable anymore. And mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I hear a lot of that. And people are like, I'm, I've tried whatever. I've tried this. I, I'm going to try yoga. I get people all the mm-hmm. time who physical therapies failed them, their their counselors failed them. And again, I'm a counselor, but I'm a yoga therapist, right? So yes. there's a different thing. We work holistically. We look at the whole person. We look at the bio, psychosocial, emotional. First thing I ask people is, how's your sleep, right? Mm. I, I That tells me almost everything. I don't, you don't have to tell me your story about what's going on. I'm going to find it in all the questions I ask you in your life. Mm-hmm. and just like you said all those things all right okay we're drunk every night okay we're our relationships are, are crowding you know i'm not getting on with my kids or um, I, i'm having these problems at work with my peers or whatever it shows up in the all aspects of life mm. that there it is that's that's what you need to know but it doesn't have to be that way yeah and so again that's why i love yoga is if there was a pill that yoga if, if there was a pill that did what yoga could do I said it would be worth, I don't even have the amount of money, gazillion dollars. Pharmaceutical yes. companies would kill themselves, would kill others for it. Yes. Uh, frankly, it helps with 117 mental and physical health conditions, 117 positively, all anxiety, depression, substance abuse, you name it, it can help you at all levels of being. So if, again, I'm like, why wouldn't you, what would you pay for a pill like that?
3: Oh my God. The problem
1: I, is people want to just take a pill. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got you got to show up, but oh my gosh, you know, if I get, that's why I just went like, I can just get you on the mat. If mm-hmm. I can just get you on the mat and you get a taste of this experience, uh, it, again, you're going to get hooked. I promise you're going to get hooked. I, I can guarantee you're going to get hooked. So oh, well, that's, and then, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, meant- I'm sleeping better. All of a sudden, <laughs> um, I feel nicer uh, yep. for no reason. I want to be nice to people. Like that's it. Yeah. I have that's, less anxiety. Miracle.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm breathing better. Yes. I have less anxiety. And yeah. they will
0: get hooked. I mean, through whatever process, yeah. when a person experiences a shift, if they've been stuck in a state of vigilance and, and they regained inner peace uh, and a sense of balance, um, that, you get attracted to that, that's for sure, and uh, chase yeah, it wherever you, know, you find it. I'll just
1: end on this. I know time is running short here, yeah. uh, but the, but here's, here's what, here's the deal. They don't, like I said, they don't know. Mm. that they swim in cortisol
3: yeah. right
1: like and that's become their habituation you get habituated to feeling bad well it's just always going to be this way right i've never felt anything different do not even know so we go to here's me and i just talk about yoga it can be lots of things yeah come to yoga you visit at the end shavasana find a relaxation i feel good mm. I feel good and I feel good for no reason. I didn't drink anything or eat anything. I didn't whatever. Like I actually just feel good. Yeah. And they go back in that habit and pattern comes back again, but then they come back to yoga and they visit feeling good again. And then yeah. they go back to living in cortisol. And then over time, guess what? We recalibrate your nervous system to where, guess what? We'll visit feeling bad. We'll visit dysregulation. But you're not living in that space anymore. Mm. Because why? You You've learned what it's like to feel good. And you take that with you. You're living and you like to feel good. That's your new habituation. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, it's 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 really, like I said, training the parasympathetic nervous system. And I promise that's what, exactly what happens. You can, well, there's times you need to visit stress of course and visit dysregulation but you don't have to live there yeah
2: absolutely i totally agree with you and you know feeling good is addictive so you want more of it and as you said you can revisit stress but the thing is is that when you visit stress it it sort of makes you realize well i don't want to be in this space i want to be in the feeling good space yes you know what i mean i I want to be in the so it helps you to know what you don't want you know? yeah,
1: I don't even find it tolerable to be out of um, sync in my relationships. If for some reason I'm faster, I'm first of all, faster to forgive and I'm, I'm much faster to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. It feels intolerable to not be in a good space in my relationships. And I will tell you, that's the main, that's pretty much the main game, isn't it? Um, yeah. When your relationships are going well, you can handle almost anything in your life, no matter what happens. Yes, cool. Absolutely. Oh,
2: Shay, I could go on and talk to you for hours, but I can (laughs) tell you I'm going to be going on to your site and I encourage any yoga enthusiasts or even not yoga enthusiasts, but maybe there's someone in a first responder community that has interest in this type of stuff and want to take a course with Shay on Yoga Fit for Warriors and um, and then bring that back to their department, oh, that would be lovely. I would love that. Um, we but, can make it happen. Yeah, we can make it happen and definitely up in, in the Massachusetts area, um, you know, where I, I've been researching this type of... I've wanted, since we started the podcast, to be able to speak with someone like you and trying to get someone locally around here that, that is trained in trauma-informed yoga it's so hard to find here. So I'm hoping that there, from this, that there's going to be more of it, um, more of those trainings, someone getting on there and doing your courses virtually and, and in person, if there is some in person. And I know I'm probably going to be one of them for sure. You're going to see my name on your list. I will you out with that. Oh, thank you, love. <laughs> um, but Shay, I thank you for coming on with us tonight, sharing your expertise, sharing a little bit about yourself um, in the military in your yoga practice as a as a therapist counselor sharing with us about some of your you know your clients your personal experiences that you had that inspired you um and uh i'm i'm just grateful to to be able to to speak with you tonight so thank you so much for coming on
1: thank you mutual thank you very much for asking me thank you honor
2: thank you
0: thank you so much Shay. Yoga for first responders is trauma-informed, which is different from the yoga we generally see on TV or social media. Trauma-sensitive yoga focuses on breath work, regulating the nervous system, and allowing a person to tune in to what's going on with their body. Not only what they're feeling, also where they're feeling it and how. This type of yoga can help a first responder be in a much calmer place, which benefits their relationships, improves decision-making, performance on the job, and overall mental wellness. Shea has knowledge and expertise in this field. If there are agencies who feel they might want to bring this into their departments, consider reaching out to Shay. She'd be happy to help. Till next time.
2: Till next time.